Landed on the podcast, A Legion of Women with Pamela Hackett and Bronwyn Covell. We're on a mission to create exactly that, a legion of women who are inspired by other women. So join us, hear our stories. We'd love to hear from you as well. Our website is allegionofwomen.com. Oh, Bronwyn, it is so great to chat with you again. Welcome to A Legion of Women. And we haven't gotten together in, I don't know how long, too long. Uh, my big vacation, taking a trip halfway around Australia. And, uh, yeah, so for everyone really who busy, right? uh, has one, been wondering where we were, uh, Pam made the trek down under and uh, we spent some time together, which was really awesome, over January. And I think you were also here in February. I uh, had a great trip around Australia, got to see your family, got to see the Australian Open tennis which was awesome here in Melbourne. I got to visit some nice restaurants and um, uh, lovely to catch up with you. And now you're back in uh, you, oh, well, snow. So Toronto's got snow now. Fantastic. How great to catch up with so many fabulous people. Um, I got to, you know, I kicked off actually, Bronwyn, your chuckle, I'm sure you saw the photos, but I had dinner with my original management team at the team that at McDonald's when I was a store manager of Strand McDonald's way back when, 100 years ago, my original team, which was uh, Doug Downer, Lee Smith and Jim Kaplanis, we all had dinner and it was like no time had passed and it's, it's got to be 30 years ago. I mean, we were kids, so it was brilliant. And and Millie joined. Millie's a fabulous, uh, Millie Booth was Dominello. Uh, Millie Booth, a fabulous female founder and, and businesswoman out of Sydney. So we all got together and just, you know, talked old times, talked about all of the beautiful times that we had together. And then the boys were just, they were brilliant. You know, they we all chuckled about the fact that back then no one even thought about the fact that I was a female store yeah, manager yeah, and they were all men. Issue, but funnily enough, back then, was it? Hey, and I do have to say... Before we go on, yeah. uh, a big congratulations to you. You um, made the top 100 best-selling best-selling list with your amazing book, Managed to Engage. So, yay! Yeah, thank you, thank you. That was so cool. And you know, as a typical woman, I don't, I haven't followed any of that stuff. So I, I learned just quite by accident that the book had hit um, the, I think number sixty-five in the globalization category, and and like ninety-seven in the um, industrial management and leadership category. So um, who knows how long it's been in that top one hundred? Um, and you know, really, I mean, I, I really. Shame on me for not not knowing this stuff. But um, to me, it, I just think it's fabulous when somebody buys the book mm. and then for it to hit. And that's in the US. So, and I have to tell you, Bronwyn, I got a note from, again, one of the guys in Australia who's, who's just a great supporter. I, I worked with him probably 20 years ago and um and he sent me a text and just said uh well that's yeah. the biggest bookstore in the world and I thought isn't that great 
So, yeah, thank you. That's a, you know, it's a big deal for an accidental author since I, I really didn't set out to write a book and it just happened during the pandemic um, when Wiley, you know, Wiley Publishers invited me to do that. And uh, so bless them for doing that because it's been really, really an interesting, interesting journey and then it was fabulous to see the book hit, yeah. hit Amazon. Well, congratulations. Today. Uh, don't underestimate what you've done. I mean, you're an accomplished author now and, um so for everyone out there, if you want a, a great read, fantastic business book, it's Managed to Engage by Pamela Hackett. And, um, yeah, huge congratulations, Pam. That's just unbelievable. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, just one more thing on that because then I want to switch gears and hear about your your pitching coming up. But, um, the you know, the, the thing that I find interesting about the book is it was written in the pandemic and it was really because, you know, such a huge crisis and you've got to rely on people who are just all the stats say are just simply under-engaged. You know, everyone thinks work sucks. And in fact, 75% of people, you know, in all the, the engagement surveys around the world basically say my job sucks, my work sucks, and I hate work. And then you've got to rely on these same people to help you through a crisis. And by God, everybody stepped up during the pandemic and really did help companies survive, you know, and help one another to to survive and so that's why I wrote the book and then now fast forward a couple of years mm. and it's becoming even more of an issue because engagement is going in the wrong direction it's still not picking up you got all those people who have you know gone through the great resignation and, and all this quiet quitting and um and so now I just think oh god bloody hell you know really we need to get our act together as leaders because the most important person the biggest impact on an employee on someone at work and on their feeling about mm. how much their job sucks is the boss and so that's you know that's why I wrote the book and and I think it's just today it's mm. as applicable as ever um, to really we really do need to get our act together and make sure that we're doing things that enable people to know that we care about them you know when they work for us we care about them we want to make sure that they're growing that they've got opportunity and that they want to get up in the morning and come to work and it's not rocket science yep. it just means be a decent how, how you'd like being. to be treated I mean it's those basic principles that um, you know we grew up in um, 30 35 years ago um, so what are we going to talk about today? <laughs> your... <laughs> oh, I think we should talk about your pitch, 10 by 10. And, you know, I mean, come on, the, the, the stats all say that female funding dropped last year and it was not very good the year before in 2021. And then last year it went to, ooh, let me just celebrate this number, 1.9% of all funding female-funded <laughs> companies. Bloody hell. You know, when is the world going to wake up and change? And then, and then the other stat that amazed me was that the number goes up if you put a man in the room. And, you know, if you had a full room full of only men, there's no question about funding it and, oh, let's put a woman in the room. And yet with a women, uh, a full female team, there is. So anyway, that's, you know, that's my beef today is, geez, bloody hell, we need to see that change. And you have a funding coming up. A, yeah, yeah. Well, session uh, those, funding, that's right? just terrible. And and that's down from 2.4%. So, you know, we're not we're not heading in the right direction despite, you know, International Women's Day and, and, and you know, so much rhetoric around female founders, successful female founders. 
anyway, hopefully the tide will turn. But, um, yeah, so I spend my life pitching, uh, having a charity and a non-for-profit and a social enterprise. You are always in front of someone um, getting them to see your vision. So, uh, and I was just chatting to you prior to this that I have, uh, I'm actually going tonight to watch a VC um, company here in, in Melbourne um, talk about um, pitching for funding. So um, I'll be interested to come back with a bit, a bit of information on that after after I do that. But I do have a pitch coming up and it's quite, um, it's quite interesting. Uh, there's a lot of organisations out there that I really marvel at because I haven't, still haven't caught up with all the organisations that are out there trying to help in that philanthropic world. And this is one such um, organisation that I was introduced to last year through another female founder um, and it's called 10 by 10. It's all around the world now, but I think it started in Melbourne from what I understand or started in Sydney. Anyway, it started in Australia and it's around the world and it, um, the premise is that you get 10 people from, you know, 10 different organisations to bring along 10 friends. So each friend brings uh, or gets or, or puts in $100 or more. And then they use the funding from the night. So, so 10 is a minimum. So I, I guess that's what 100 people at minimum. And then um, uh, you get, can get some co-funding from different organisations and companies that they work for. And then three charities or social enterprises or non-for-profits get up and pitch. And you have five minutes only. So you have five-minute pitch and then the people in the room pledge, uh, you know, the proceeds to one two or two of those organizations and then they um yeah so that's how they get funding that way um so they i think it's a great a, a great organization and i i'm i've been really impressed with the volunteers that work there because they're all volunteers um and it's a, re- a really great opportunity to get out there and and meet people out there that, that want to see what grassroots uh, charities are doing and, and, and you know what's actually happening in the world so I the two charities that I'm involved with and I'm pitching um, so of course there's mine which is Indigenous Education and uh, there's one called Pass It On Clothing which has um, uh, gets secondhand clothing and distributes that to homeless people and the third one which I'm sorry I forgot the name of but it's an LGBTQI plus organization which has been helping um you know in that sort of uh, sector as well um so yeah really diverse but really uh, really right. uh, fa- fascinating organizations oh so just roll that back a minute because there's so much that that i was just excited to hear about so the concept of 10 by 10 is to get uh, there's 10 people who bring 10 friends so you've got 100 people and then each of those individuals basically tosses into the the, yep. the kitty a hundred bucks, and then you put all that together. And does that become a lump sum that somebody? Well, you then don't actually win. And this win is what pitch. I like about this. I went to another organisation last year, which I'll speak about, called the Funding Network (TFN), which is another similar organisation. But what they what they do is they they partner with a corporate and the corporate matches funding on the night. So whatever's raised on the night, the corporate will then match it. And we we were lucky enough to be um, to get match funding from a company over here called AMP, which is a very, very large um, uh, financial services company. Um, so 10 by 10 is a little different and I'm still not 100% across it, so I apologise to anybody who knows more about it than I do. I can tell you more after my pitch. But I think that the 10 people serve as volunteers, the initial 10, 
and they go back to their organisations and find 10 people. Um, but I also think that there are corporates that can jump on board from those organisations. So, so it's more than just the 10. And no, you don't, sorry, back to your original question, they, you don't win the pitch. It's distributed amongst the three. Uh, so everybody walks away with a prize. But I think that ah. the attendees can choose two, uh, I think it's two of the organisations that they would like their, their pledge to go towards. So, yeah, so everybody walks away but with a differing amount depending on, uh, I, I guess, on how valuable your pitch is. Ooh. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So when you pitch, what do you, like, what do, you do? I mean, you've got five minutes and you have to convince someone and is it, are you convincing them to uh, get on board with the concept? Are you convincing them to get the funding? Are you convincing them to get um, to well, help? The main thing that I try and do is, um, is firstly to, to tell them really quickly um, why we do what we do. So, so yeah, and a little bit of stats because the, the stats story. are quite appalling. Um, but yeah. with five minutes, you can't spend too much time okay. on that. Um, so it's, it's letting them know why we do what we do and, and, and what the stats are. And then, and then talking about what we actually do and how we execute that and how we actually deliver. Um, and then, of course, the outcomes that we get and the outcomes that we expect to see. And then it, I guess at the end, it's really a case of saying, you know, we, we want to scale, we want to be sustainable. And the only way we can do that is with funding. Uh, and hopefully the message gets across somehow. And then, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So AMP, I actually had them as a client many, many, many years ago, um, back in about, I think it was about 2002. Oh. And I write about them in my book um, because, yeah, they they did such a fabulous, here's what, what I loved about working with AMP. We did a major, I did a, a major improvement program with them and it was a, a big transformation. And in doing that, we we always ask. I always ask the client to to bring their team, and and their team learns how to do the consulting that that I do that we do, um, and you know the the idea there is to make sure that when you go, you're leaving your client way more educated and able to do what you're there to do one time, so they don't have to hire you a second time. Now, if you do a great job, they usually do, and and we did about we did did a a, a good good lump of uh, good many projects with AMP. But here's what I loved about them. When they brought their team, it wasn't a team of the usual suspects. It wasn't a bunch of managers who were looking to, you know, get a shiny new star on their lapels and it wasn't a bunch of uh, people who they couldn't find work for them. They, they had people pitch why they wanted to be part of this improvement program to basically change the face of the company. And they brought in people who were anyone from frontline call centre operators right through to senior execs. And so you had this team that was working together on the same body of work that were all different levels in the company. And But here's the beauty of it. When it finished, some of those frontline guys were catapulted into much more senior roles because they'd learned so much from the, the body of work that, that we did. And so you had you had uh, call centre operators who then went out to be call centre supervisors and department managers. 
behaviours and things that perhaps they wouldn't have done had they not had that opportunity before. So I love AMP. Yeah, well, we we work with the AMP Foundation, so I don't know if you know, but a lot of the big corporates um, have foundations attached to the to to the organisation, which which then go go out and look for different um, organisations that they can support, different charities that they can support, and we were just lucky enough to be one of those um, charities that the AMP Foundation supported. And they, they were amazing with us last year. So so anyway, that's my, uh, that's my yeah. news and I, hopefully I can let you know. Can we dig a little deeper into if I'm if I'm someone who's out there wanting to go out and get funding and I've never done a pitch before and you've done so many, um, you know, and and probably, it, 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 I mean, if you've never done it before, you're absolutely scared, crapless, likely. You've got to pitch up to a bunch of people that you think are just these big wigs who have, you know, the purse strings and you really want to impress them. So you're you're absolutely nervous as hell. And then you've got to cram all, all this great story and passion into five minutes. So what do you do to to prepare? What do you like how do you get your mindset now that you've done this a few times? Well, you know, what have thing, you learned about? A lot of these organizations that? do pitch coaching. So I actually will be doing some pitch uh, coaching with the 10 volunteers. So they'll help me with my pitch because they obviously want me to do as well as I can. And and the, the funding network through AMP did the same thing. So we had a pitch coach. Um, and that's obviously important for me because I want to have the be- best pitch po- possible, but also because they don't want to host an event and, you know, you, you you fall down in front of the crowd. So they want you to succeed as well. So they, a lot of these organisations do that. And I've also done a lot of pitch coaching myself with people that have come to me and said, look, I've got to do a pitch and I have no idea. Um, and, and it's a bit like doing a TED Talk, I guess, you know, every, every, every pitch is different. Um, but I, I certainly think from my perspective that being able to tell a story about even just an individual that you've impacted and how you've impacted them uh, always, to me, uh, you know, that storytelling is, um, is so powerful in a pitch because you can you can you can rattle off statistics. Yeah. You can you know talk about how great you are. You can talk about the outcomes you want to you want to you want to get. But when you tell that story about that individual uh, and have some evidence there around that, I think that uh, to me gives you the most compelling argument. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, and you know it's funny. It's no different in in some of the work I do, where I I used to quote um, Chip and Dan Heath. I'm not sure what their quote was, but I turned it into one that I've used a hundred million times, um, and that's facts don't change yep. people. Uh, feelings do you know and facts don't move people feelings do and yep. so you really got to appeal to the feelings yeah so if, if we've got a couple of minutes left <laughs> what would you want to do your pitch no, like well, what I mean I don't I don't want you to ruin Prize, but do you want to give an example of what a, a quick pitch might be? Well, for I haven't someone got a who's pitch prepared, and I always like to be prepared. But um, the difficulty with this one is we have five minutes, and they're very strict on these things because, of course, they run the night um, accordingly. So five minutes is not a lot of time. Um, so you've really got to try and pack a punch in five minutes. Um, sometimes they allow you to use props. Sometimes they don't. I've got a feeling I can perhaps have one or two slides only, but you certainly, they don't want death by PowerPoint, which is what we used to say. I don't know what they call it these days. Um, but you do want to have something visual. I think it always lends itself to the emotion of it. Um, 
And so I'm sort of toying around with how to do this one because I'm, I'm sort of modifying a pitch that I did that was 10 minutes long uh, last year and, and maybe, you know, updating it and, and, and making it a little bit different. But um, still I want to I pull in some re- relevant stats because I think, to, to your point before, stats are great. They're, great, they're a great way to, of, of, um, of, of gathering that emotion, particularly when the stats are bad, and they are particularly bad in, in the area that I, I deal in. Um, tell that story a bit. Um, one is that uh, only 50% of Indigenous children finish school in Australia. Um, only only 60% of 20 to 24-year-old Indigenous um, young adults in Australia have actually completed Year 12 or equivalent, and it, it leads to three times more unemployability as a direct result of not getting an education for those those. Uh, children so yeah you know there's 23,000 children in out of home care in Australia 50% of them are indigenous so this you know and and they're the they're the kids that we 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 impact or they're the kids that we try to impact um and so people don't know about that I mean they do hear about it and there's a lot of talk in Australia at the moment around what they call the voice which is the um voice to parliament that uh, our indigenous people need to have uh, as part of our constitution, I'm not going to go into all that, but um, the stats are horrific, and uh, and I love to think that we can directly impact those children, and that's that's the joy of of, of what we do. Um, it, they're the, the the most vulnerable children in Australia. There are lots of vulnerable children, but these are the most vulnerable. So that's that's where we sit, and that's what we'd like to do. Fantastic. And just reminding for, for people who have, who aren't familiar with you, um, when you say impact those kids, you know, it's a positive impact through, um, tutoring, right? It's, it's really helping them get through, through school. I think one of the things that you said, uh, when you first told me you were doing all of this was that, that just, it, it both floored me and it, it, I was so impressed that you're addressing it. And that's that if you, if you can catch those kids at the right time and get them to feel more confident about their education and that they can learn and they can do well in, in a school setting, that they're more likely to finish school. Is that is that still pretty much the Yeah, yeah, look, the, the three things that we try and do, it? the ultimate aim is for them to finish year 12. That's, that's what we would like to see every child do because we know that when you finish school, you have so many more options where, when it comes to employability or it comes to uh, tertiary education and that just leads to better life outcomes. We know that. Um, uh, the other two things that we try and do, you said confidence uh, to engage more at school and attend more at school. Um, our Indigenous population uh, only go to school an average of three days a week. So that's, um, we need to, we need, they need to increase that for for, for many social reasons, but that's, um, that's not enough. And then of course, they're three to five years behind in most cases. So you're playing catch up anyway. Um, They're not attending school. Um, They've got um, a a, a, um, greater chance of not completing year 12 and they've got lower literacy and numeracy levels. So you combine all of that and it, it, you know, it, it makes it very, very, very difficult for them to succeed in life. So we find that this is the best method that we have, you know, um, for being able to give them a, a better opportunity in the future and, and making sure that they can sort of break that poverty cycle and economic cycle that they're in. Yeah, bloody hell, those stats are gut-wrenching. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't have kids, but I, I just can't imagine, you know, even for families to have to cope with that and, and how they can, you know, help help the kids through. And clearly they can't and that's why they need, why you need organisations yeah. like yours. <laughs> you sold me. I had a... Uh, I know you, you would. I know you've been awesome. Um, so anyway, I'll let you know how that goes in future podcasts. I'll uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll pay attention to to um, yeah what happens, and I'd love to give you an update. Perfect, perfect. Well, we'll get you know we'll wrap up uh, our chat this week on on that note. Just as a quickie, I'm actually going uh, next week. I'm presenting at Western University in uh, doing a talk at Western University about my book. I'm actually going to talk about my new book that I'm halfway through writing um, called Lead Real, but it's based on a lot of the stuff of the the, the first book, Managed to Engage. So I'm pretty excited about that. I've 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 never um, I've never presented at a university so you know there's always something new doesn't matter where you're at at what stage of life that's a a new and exciting thing and so for me I'm presenting to the MBA class um and I'm pretty excited about that That so I'll be able to tell you how how that goes that we need to get your name on Oh, I think so too. Yeah, I, you know, after seeing the stats on Amazon US, I thought, I wonder where the book is sitting in in Australia, in Australia. And uh, so I looked it up, and it's ranked 171 out of the uh, business books under under. Um, oh gosh, I've forgotten the category now. I think it's I think it's a leadership category. Um, I would love to get Dimmicks behind it. I. Um, um, a, a great friend has given me a couple of contacts there, so I'd love to to get them behind it. And the Growth Faculty, you know, um, there is a, a company in Australia called the Growth Faculty that invites authors from around the world to speak and about their books. And um, you know, I just think, bloody hell, an Australian author, a female, come on, you need to get me, you know, you need to get me to talk about my book. So maybe I'll yep. send them this uh, episode me. of the podcast. Great <laughs> hey, talking to you again. Bronwyn, and uh, if you're not familiar, we're a legion of women, uh, Bronwyn Cobble and uh, female founder, Dynamo female founder, and myself, Pamela Hackett, um, former CEO of a publicly traded company. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. 